Okay, okay, continuing on with our series of reruns of some of the most popular episodes of The Modern Recordist as we launch into the summer of 2016. We've got a few more of these coming, and then we'll likely drop back in towards the end of July with some all-new episodes. So if you've missed some of these popular episodes the first time we aired them, now is your chance to catch up on something that you missed. And if you've been so dedicated as to catch every episode of The Modern Recordist to date, something I very much appreciate you for and acknowledge you for, this little series of reruns can serve as your opportunity to listen to something for a second time and perhaps pick up on a new idea that may not have landed for you the first time you listened. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I want to make sure that you know how to get subscribed to The Modern Recordist. There's two main ways. Go to my website, johnstinson.com. That's J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N. Remember, there's no H in John. Put your email address in the sign-up form that you will find right on the front page. I'll make sure that you never miss an episode. And as a bonus, I'll also periodically send you emails with tips, thoughts, and guidance on recording, mixing, producing, songwriting, and maximizing your creative flow. All this at no cost to you. So head on over to my website and get subscribed now. Secondly, I also want to encourage you to get subscribed on iTunes. The way to do that is to either fire up your podcasting app right on your iPhone or open up iTunes on your laptop or desktop, search for The Modern Recordist, and click or tap that little subscribe button there. While on iTunes, make sure you take a quick second to leave a rating and review as well. Good and honest ratings and reviews let other people know the value you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. It also helps us to know that you're getting something out of these episodes and whether or not we're producing meaningful content and bringing on guests that you find interesting and fun to listen to. And finally, if you are indeed getting something out of listening to this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend or three. Simply drop a link in an email, text message, or social media post and let everyone you know how much you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. And now let's transition into the show. This time around, we are rerunning the first half of episode 37. This particular episode featured an artist, songwriter, producer, and personal friend of mine who's had many songs on TV shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Empire, and iZombie, as well as co-written songs for bands like Panic at the Disco. On this episode, we talk about a lot of things that has gone into building his, his this guest's successful career and bringing his vision to life, such as the importance of building a team, creative habits, and many other things. To catch this episode in its full original glory, go to johnstenton.com slash TMR037. And with that, friends and modern recordists, please enjoy this rerun of the first half of episode 37 with Aaron Wright. Sweet. Cool, man. Um, yeah, tell us about that track. So that track, um, so that track was uh, originally I wrote, uh, I wrote that song for uh, a show called Heart of Dixie. It's on the CW, 
and it was a completely different song it was like a a foot stomping sort of almost like a country song like a folk country kind of song um it was really upbeat and then um i think shonda rhymes she i think the 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 legend goes she was on the on an airplane and she she by chance saw mary j blige and she just decided she wanted um don't quote me on this but she she wanted nothing but like soul music for the rest of that season so i had to figure out how to how to kind of do soul music so i turned that song when i kind of slowed it down and played it on piano it just totally made sense that way as well um cool yeah Cool. So, so what's the, uh, where did that tell us about, like, is that, was that something that, that you got, you had placed somewhere you did a cut with somebody or what's, what's the story on that? Um, well, I mean, I, so that the, the song that the version you just heard was played on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Um, and then, uh, there's also, um, there's an artist, um, on Columbia that is that I, I recorded singing a version of that, of that song as well. Um, and hopefully he'll be cutting that. I don't know yet, but, um, so I don't know if I'll even say who it is, Cool. but (laughs) so, um, I mean, that's just, that's one of the things I love about songs is they can just be, they can be, they can have all, all different sorts of lice, love of not lice. Sometimes they have lice depending on where they've been. (laughs) Um, (laughs) they've been to my neighbor's house, but if they, um, (laughs) they can have all different sorts of lives. And, and I love that. I love, I love thinking about that from the front end or, or sometimes just discovering it later. And, uh, you know, whether it's for an artist or, or just speeding up or something. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. So yeah, there's actually, uh, I was, um, listening back to this band that I had worked with. Well, actually I didn't work with them. Um, it was one band that I worked with. They reformed into a different band and they took this song that we had recorded and, and I like co-produced it with them years ago. And then they like reworked it into their new catalog. And it's like, it was like a completely, it was the same song. It was like, I was thinking about it. It was like, man, this is like, it's the same song, but it's like not, it's like, you know, like, I guess like the basic melody and stuff. And then of course like the lyrics were the same and everything, but there was this like, they worked like one was like sort of this indie rock, but this other version was like this, just this real ambient synth, dark pop kind of version of it, you know, it was really Mm. interesting. So that's cool. Yeah. It's like, um, it's really cool how you can, you can take songs through different permutations and things. So that particular song started off uh, as something that was like a more of a kind of a, a raucous kind of, yeah, it's like, I have seen all I can see is like that kind of uh-huh. much, much faster. And it's like a, you know, just four on the floor kind of, um, sorry listeners. I didn't warn you about the, the clapping that was about to happen, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a totally different song. And, um, and then it ended up as being this and it could be something else tomorrow, depending on, on what, what's needed, you know? Yeah, that's cool. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about, um, what's been going on because, you know, you and I, like I had mentioned in the intro, um, you know, you're, you're one of my older kind of Nashville music scene friends. Like, Mm -hmm. but I think you and I crossed paths before either one of us were actually official, officially in the music business and doing this professionally. Yeah. We, we met at Waffle House. Remember? late, really late one night. Is that, is that for real? Yeah, that's for real. Is it really? Um, We were both in school. You were at Belmont and I was at Lipscomb. Um, 
and it was probably like maybe two in the morning at Waffle House and you were wearing you we, we both had earrings back then <laughs> like you had a bunch more than I did probably um, and then uh, and you're wearing a, a, a like a fake fur coat maybe really yeah this is, an, this is sure. awesome. I have I yeah. have no memory of this, but and I was just like, I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> I have to, and then and then it turned out we had a bunch of mutual friends because you went to Lipscomb High School. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We, that's we go way back. That's the, the memory I have. I don't actually don't specifically remember that, but but I do remember being like in, in college. There was a lot of two a.m. Waffle House. Uh, which typically meant that I was up to no good that mm-hmm. it's not like that night, you know, mm-hmm. especially if I'm at Waffle House in a fur coat or something mm-hmm. like there's some real nonsense going on there that like uh-huh. probably uh, erased from my memory or whatever. But that's yeah. really, that's hilarious. I do remember, you know, really kind of being introduced through um, mutual friends and stuff, but yeah, it's really cool. Like, um, you know, we, uh, we met bef- before we were, either one like really officially in the music business but yet we both were had this passion for music and we both kind of knew what what we wanted to do and that we would eventually end up in the music business but you know it's one of those things where you get um kind of into your adult life and you're doing your thing and it's heads down and and you're and like you know as as uh, entertainment business can be and creating and stuff you can get yourself kind of like isolated a lot of times you know mm-hmm. and so a lot of there's a lot of people that I don't get to to stay connected with or I don't do as as maybe as a good of a job as I should because I'm kind of the guy who will disappear into the studio for a while oh me too so it's good that we um that we get to catch up like this and take this time you know have, uh, the last time I saw you we haven't really like, properly hung out in a while, but then the last time I saw you, like I said, like I, I was walking through the studio here, you're showing me around. It was a really cool random incident where I was with a friend in the neighborhood and then mm-hmm. you pulled up and you're like, Oh yeah, I own that building and that building and come see my studio. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we walked over here and it was really cool. And it's really cool to see how this place is kind of like shaped up. And now you've got your gear in here. You've built out the, uh, kind of like a little ISO booth, ISO booth but it's, it's a, a big ISO booth though. I was going to say it's like almost like a tracking room, you know, it's like a between an ISO booth and a tracking room. Yeah. And you know, it's really cool. It's a vibey thing. And anyway, you've had a lot going on since, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, since you, you jumped in since really you and I were last like properly hanging out on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, take us through like the last, maybe like, the last seems like the last year has been a big year for you. You've had some, like we mentioned, there were some some big cuts that have happened and co-writes and uh, a lot of things like that. You used to be doing more of the artist thing. Now you're doing kind of more of the the, the songwriter thing, but you're still producing and all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's the what's what's life look like in your arena of the music business these days? And and like what 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 are some of the things you've been up to? Um, the, well, I guess really about a year and a half ago, I signed a, I signed a publishing deal and that's when things really changed for me. Before that, I was, um, I I was always doing music. I'm the type of person that would always be writing music regardless of whether I was making money at it or not. Um, and, and I had, um, and so I had been trying to get TV placements on my own for, for years since, since I did my first record in 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, and so at that time, after I did the record, I, I saw my friends going out and, and touring and coming back broke and, and their wives leaving them and all kinds of, mm. 
you know, it just wasn't, uh, it, it just didn't make sense to me. And I didn't love it. I never, I never loved being in a strange city and waiting all day. And mm-hmm. then, um, and I just don't really care too much about the, um, that instant sort of feedback from playing live. I used to, I used to like playing live. Okay. But, but overall I just, what I really, really love is, um, is being in the studio and, and recording it, writing and recording and putting it out into the world through, um, you know, whatever makes the most sense at the time. And at the time and still today, it's like getting it on a TV show. So it's Mm -hmm. in front of, you know, millions of people instead of playing to in some crappy club for 10 Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So I was cold emailing people, which now I know is not really how music supervisors like to be communicated with, but, but it worked a few times for me. And, um, and through that, um, I wrote, I wrote, my who's now my best friend um Casey Truman I wrote her on MySpace we actually have a strong disagreement about how this all went down but my version (laughs) I'll tell you my version is that um as we I wrote her on MySpace and then I sent her a record she's one of the one out of a hundred supervisors that responded you you, you hit her up on MySpace so that means that this was like this this had to be I mean, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say 2005. I know. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah. It's okay. So, all right. Hit her up so, on my space. So she actually wrote me back. She loved my record. Um, I, I mean, I wrote tons and tons of people and, and so many people just, I, you know, I was totally fine and being rejected. I was just going to, I just decided I was going to do that. Um, so we, we became like email buddies for three years or so, or even longer. I don't know. Um, which I, I like regret now cause she's so awesome. Um, I wish I would, you know, had just known her, but she eventually came to Nashville for some sort of event or something. And, and where was she based out of? She's in LA okay. for, she works for chop shop okay. music supervision. Okay. Um, and she came and we were just instant be- best buds and, um, with, with, with my wife and, and with her. And so, um, and so when she finally, um, uh, when, when Chop Shop started, um, decided to become a publishing company as well as a music supervision company, um, she, she thought of me and, and asked if she could sign me. And so, and that's, that's a partnership with, uh, songs publishing, which is in LA and New York and and London as well. Cool. So that was kind of like a a, a turning point for you. You were going like, you had decided, you know, at the, at the time, like say pre 2007, leading up to 2007, Sometime in that area, you, you know, you were doing sort of the artist thing, releasing, mm-hmm. making an album and all that kind of stuff. And then sort of like realizing the standard kind of write music, record it in the studio, go tour to support it. No, nah, it's not really for me. Right. And so. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, then it presented the question, well, okay, so, so how, how do you make a living at this? Do you make a living at it? Does it matter? You know, and, and for a while I, so I have a degree in Spanish. Um, so initially my, my goal is just to make a teacher salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think I, I probably came close to doing that uh, on my own. Um, and then, but I always did other things. I started a software company for, I was a photographer. Um, I've done all sorts of things to, mm-hmm. to make ends meet while I was still doing music. Uh, and then, um, you know, and then, so then a year and a half ago, um, when I got the publishing, that's when things really took off. And, and that's, if I was to, if I could do it all over again, I mean, 
I guess they didn't exist. I really love working with Casey. So I don't know if I would care to be with another publisher necessarily, but, um, if I were to, I guess if I were to talk, be talking to some young artists, I would recommend if they want to do what I do anyway, that they get a team, get a team built. Like you always hear that in the books, like the music business books, like Mm -hmm. build a team, but Mm -hmm. I was a sort of a do it yourself person. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a mistake. Like I really just needed to be focusing on the music and, and having other people that really, you know, some that really care and can champion what I'm doing. Right. And that's when things really started moving along when Mm -hmm. I could just put my head down and work and somebody was giving me deadlines. That was a huge thing for me because I'm so, um, like a lot of artists, I'll go on, working on something forever. If nobody's telling me to like wrap it up and yeah. I need it, you know? Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's, that's, that's good, uh, good sort of like advice and, and, and really something that like, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people, I think, um, you know, it's my perspective on sort of like the music business. Uh, I, I got out of school in 2004 you know, when I, when we, when I was a, like a freshman or sophomore in college was when like sort of kind of, it all kind of hit the fan in terms of like, it, yeah. just in the music business, got, things got tossed and I was like, wait, what's going on? And, and, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, it's almost as if like, in a way, like almost as if overnight business models changed and then people's, everybody's like, well, what's going on? And then there was this sort of, after that, there was this, you know, some, sometime around like 2005, 2007, all that, there's this whole sort of, um, I don't know, time period, I guess, of this do-it-yourself musician kind of thing and this whole, like, everybody's talking about, oh, you don't need record label, you don't need, like, It's you, like you the know. CD baby era. Yeah, 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 everybody, like, do it yourself and everything. And I remember, um, I remember at some, some point there was a, a, a smaller group of people, it actually may have been some of the people at CD baby because, because I got the, um, I was like managing a band and through that Mm -hmm. uh, I got to, uh, I built a relationship with some of the people at CD baby. And I remember them talking about like, you know, there's this whole DIY thing and, and and it's really like artists think that they have to do all this stuff themselves. And you know, at a certain point it becomes a mistake. And I actually was just listening to a podcast on the way over here, an awesome podcast that I love called London real. Um, I recommend everybody check it out. It has nothing to do with music, but it's got a, it's got everything to do with just um, kind of like being um, the best version of you, I guess. And so, like that really encompasses a lot of things. And they do have artists on there, like Imogen Heap was on there. They talk about all kinds of things, and there's a lot of takeaways. But one of the things that he was talking about was that very thing: is just like you know, people. He was ta- in in the in the arena of like Silicon Valley and people in these startups, and people are trying to like run this company and do everything. And it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Like, you, you know, you're right. not, you're, you're like working too much in the business and not on the business. You're not thinking like high level or you're not thinking about like in the, in the sense of like what you're talking about as a musician, what's the core thing that I need to be doing, you know, like the, 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 like the rest of this commerce or, or business or whatever is built around the music that I need to be creating. And if, and if I'm like doing all these other things, that's like, brain cycles spent on other things. And I'm that, right. I'm not doing anything very well at that point, you know, and I, I've, I've struggled with that. So that's, that's really, you know, that's cool um, to hear you talk about that and sort of like your unique uh, experience of how you like came to that. And, and then, you know, your, how you, you ended up like 
using like focusing in on on what you needed to do yeah i mean i'm still i'm still working on that i mean i I think it's still a challenge to not want to do things um just do them yourself sometimes it's easier but um i mean it's like a joke between my wife and i it's just i mean how many times i've said i just want to be playing music Mm -hmm. you know um having to do all these other things so i've always been trying to automate um automate thing other things that i don't want to do or and and now i'm getting better at delegating as well um and i i think part of that is just is just getting older and and um and just realizing the uh, the transience of life and i think i just keep trying to um just come just zero in on what i really really want to be doing and um just find solutions for everything else so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, so you, um, you mentioned a few things like that you had built a software company and you had other, uh, a couple of other things you, mm-hmm. are you, do you still, are you still involved in any of that kind of stuff? Do you still pursue that kind of stuff? Um, I, d- I don't actually, I, I mean, I should, I sort of just stopped. I have, yeah. I had a, the software company actually, um, it's a, it's photography software. It's still, it's still technically running, but I basically just like abandoned it Yeah, because, um, uh, it's just too, I have too many, I, I have more opportunities than, than I can, than I have time for yeah. with music. And, um, so I'm, I'm just sort of seizing this right. season in my life. So, you know? but, but it sounds like, you know, you had those other things going on and they were like partially rooted in like a passion, but also partially rooted in like trying to just kind of juggle a lot of things so that you could, so maybe like something would stick or like what was kind of, you know, cause I, I'm interested in that because I find myself often in the same place, right? I have this mm-hmm. one core thing that's like, if I was, to, if I was to say what, you know, what's your, what's your, like your one core target thing that you're, that this is your vision for your life. It's, you know, it's, it's creating music. Right. But then there's a lot of other things that I get involved in. And it's right. an interesting, I, I really, I'm interested in that because I share that, uh, commonality with you. And I'm just interested in like, kind of what's, what was your thought process? Was it sort of like, well, I'm just going to try to do a whole bunch of different things, see what sticks or, or I'm going to try to like create stuff that would sustain me or, um, my, my goal and everybody laughed at me was to make money while I sleep. So that, that's what, that was the premise for starting that business is I, I just saw that there was, um, there was an opportunity to make some software that I knew how to make with, without having to learn a lot. And then, and then it just, the, the business just ran automatically. So I I had a bunch of ads going on Facebook. I actually still do today and, uh, and Google ads. And I just, I, I, um, you can track how, how you, how, um, the ads are doing and and how much you spend. So I knew that for every dollar I spent, I'd make, you know, three or $4 Mm -hmm. every, every dollar I spend advertising, I make three or $4. So, my goal in doing anything was it was always a secondary passion. I always wanted to do music and that's why it's like a joke. So if I was doing, I, I did, I did photography, I did commercial photography, wedding photography. Um, I never, I, I liked doing that, but I never loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I wake up all, I want to do music. Um, and so I feel so lucky to be able to do that now. So any other type of business I did, I did wedding photography because I could work, 
you know, I had, I was obligated to be somewhere one day a week, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time I had off, I did the software company because I I had to do very little work to make a good amount of money. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's always creating freedom that to me, that was wealth is just having the freedom to be able to do music. Um, and then now because of the opportunities I have, I'm able to actually do music and get paid for it, which, um, which if depending on who you are, could be, could be, it could be a blessing and a curse for me. It's pretty much just been a blessing because I don't know. I I kind of lost my, my like artist ego. I don't really, I think, I think it's really hard to do what I do. If you're, if you're, if you have, um, that really strong artist ego and you think of yourself as, as a certain thing. Mm. Um, I, I think of myself as an artist, but in, in a different way. Um, I, I think of myself as somebody that as a song as more of a songwriter artist mm-hmm. in that sense than, than like a, a performing artist. Mm. Um, cause I, I, I kind of like we talked about earlier, I love the, the core of a song and how, and, and that being a solid, um, entity within itself. And then that can be a bunch of different things. So I care about that more than basically like, you know, kind of the glor- glorification of myself through, whatever, whatever I'm doing, you know? Yeah. You're, you're about being somebody who creates, um, creates music and not like in the sense of, of a lot of times when you think of like recording artists, it's almost like, it's interesting that you say that cause it's kind of making me think that like have this sort of a little bit of an epiphany, but there's certain, you know, there's certain like uber, uber famous artists mm-hmm. and it's almost as if, their identity and like whoever it is that they're presenting themselves to be to the public is like overshadows the art that they create when in reality it's, right. it's like, but like it should be the other, almost kind of like the other way around in, in mm-hmm. a sense or something, you know, at least be like so intertwined. Like you, you think of like almost like somebody like Andy Warhol comes to mind where like he was kind of almost so intertwined with his creation that it was almost like it was like one and the same. It wasn't like, right. it wasn't like he was bigger than his art or his art was bigger than him. It was almost just sort of like the art was an extension of him and just, you know, but a lot of times it's interesting you say that because a lot of times in our modern kind of, uh, you know, there's people that come to mind that I, I almost don't want to just like throw it out there, but in our modern sort of world of, of kind of, um, popular music and, and these uber famous, people that are creating music today it's almost like mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like more about some sort of like weird version of royalty worship than it is about actually like like their music or something you know what i mean so yeah and I don't, and there's not always there's not always a there's just like i don't see anything wrong with um with being a with being an artist or wanting to be an artist that's just, it just i just decided at some point that it wasn't for me um, you know, I'm glad that there are other artists that, so they can sing my songs and perform them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, it, you know, it all has to do with the the person you're talking about. I don't think it's good to sort of have these, like, like you're saying, I guess, I, like uh, some sort of idolatry or something mm-hmm. for them. And, and then, and it overshadows the music, hopefully. Um, it, it, it plays a part in it and it plays, you know, plays a part in the way that the listener here's a song maybe, you know, just like you, mm-hmm. you, like maybe you care about something more because of how you feel about the image or, or the idea of that person, 
you know, you might like, like kind of like a parent might like a, a kid's drawing because it's their kid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, but in a, in a different way, of course. Right. But you, I guess you get what I'm saying. Totally. And, and it is, it, you know, it like there's some people who it's not that way. Like I mentioned, like people like Andy Warhol or whatever, but you know, even like people like David Bowie or whatever come to mind. And, and it's, it's, it's sort of a different thing. Um, it, you know, Derek Sivers talking about CD baby. And then there's, and then mm-hmm. there's Derek Sivers who started CD baby. And now he's going on to do like, he, I don't know. He's an interesting guy. He's like kind of like cropped up on some podcasts I've been listening to lately, but he said something about this idea of like, I think it's, I think it's, I think people should strive to be famous because I think that there is a usefulness to people. You can be useful to other people by working to become famous. And it was an interesting thought. And, and, and I think kind of what, if I, if I unpack it right, I think kind of what he was getting at was just this idea of like, you know, being sort of a thought leader more or less and kind of like sort of using, using your fame altruistically to kind of broadcast out sort of a, a message of, uh, the, to kind of like, inspire people or, or teach them things, you know? And, yeah. and, and there's, there's a lot there. I mean, I would say that most artists are that, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a smaller subset of artists lately that are more, it's more, you know, it's more about just kind of, it, it's fame for the sake of being famous. And it is about like, you know, Prince is a, is a Prince, somebody like that is like a really um kind of unique entertainer you know and he gets mm-hmm. it and he's got this philosophy and his philo- and his like vision is i'm going to entertain people you know and part of that is part of that is becoming famous and it makes him more useful as an entertainer if he's more famous but then there's other people who i don't think they come at it that way you know and it's not right. about that it's more about like i'm going to become someone who people are privileged to, to come watch me you know, perform or whatever, you know? So that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I feel like I, I agree with, I agree with the statement to an extent, but only, only, um, in as much as the, the person that is becoming famous can maintain their integrity because I think what you, what you see a lot of times is whether it's with music or with it, it's somebody that's on YouTube or, or whatever, eventually at a certain, there's, a seems to be a, a tipping point where, um, they seem to be so affected by the, the, what they're receiving back from other people, whether it's comments or whether it's, um, in music, if you get to a certain point, uh, a certain value, um, you could almost say that you, you become like this machine where you have to, you have to do certain songs and you have to have certain songwriters doing your songs because it's like you, there's, there's so much writing on it and there's, they're going to be, the, the bigger you get, the more they're going to put into, to, um, to pushing you more Mm -hmm. money behind you. So there's more on the line. So you sort of all of a sudden you're not the little artist that's like writing songs in your bedroom. You have people in Mm -hmm. Sweden or whatever, writing hits for you and Mm -hmm. and you're, you you know, and that that's its own thing too. And, um, but overall that the, the person that's trying to be famous has to be careful about what, like, I mean, like I know anything about it, but they, they need to be, um, careful with what, once they get there, what kind of message there, there can be a narcissism to it. I think that, I think that, I think that, um, uh, 
there's I think that you know clearly neither you nor me are like like famous people in, in any like real sense of it but I think that it's a concept that's comprehensible and <laughs> you know and 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 then you know now it's like a really interesting time where like sometimes I like I think of things this way as like everybody is famous now because mm-hmm. you know I mean it, it it's you're so out there, you know, I mean, if you've got, if you've got a thousand friends on Facebook, okay, Mm -hmm. well, there's a level of fame and there's a level of like things that you're doing like in public. If you've got like, if you've got 15,000 people that follow you on Instagram, then you're doing things in public. When you snap a picture, you know, 15,000 people see that picture, you know, and you can now make statements about, you can you can you can sort of have this you can put ideas out there you know and and make statements about things and mass communicate things on the uh, uh, on a certain sense and mm-hmm. you know 15,000 people that's like a small town you know mm-hmm. and you know you can find that like even that can turn kind of kind of like bring narcissism out like uh, where we're at today with our ultra connected kind of lifestyles it, it it does kind of i see a lot of any you know i you know, admittedly my, even myself, but I see people, I struggle with a sort of like this narcissism, kind of Mm -hmm. this undertone of narcissism. There's like, it's really interesting. You know what I mean? And, And sometimes I struggle with it. Like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm looking at the numbers for this podcast. I'm like, I want this podcast to grow or, um, you know, thinking about like putting music out there or putting ideas out there or whatever it may be. You know, I, um, a lot of times I'm, you know, I can, I can, have to like keep myself in check because this is like okay, why am I doing it like what's the real reason that I'm right. doing this right you know right. so I think that yeah I think it's a I think it's a something that we can all comprehend regardless of the fact whether or not we're we've ever like set an arena in an arena full of like thousands of 16 17 30,000 people and sang into a microphone or not you mm-hmm. know what I mean um but uh so that's cool man so you you're kind of in this place now where it's, it's, it's not so much about like being doing the artist thing so much as like really you're, you're more focused on really the songwriter thing, huh? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do. Um, I release, I release quite a few songs as, as an artist as well, but, um, but I'm not, I guess I'm not a touring artist Mm -hmm. and, and, um, so yeah, I do. I mean, I still, I love, I love singing. So I still, I still love releasing things and, and making music so yeah yeah i'm still i'm still an artist but i just think of myself as a songwriter first and mm-hmm. then so you um you are you, are you putting stuff out on itunes still you're doing full-on yeah. records and things like that yeah i put on i don't i haven't done a full-on record I, I i really just put on i put singles on when i have uh tv placements typically and um and uh and that just makes the most sense for me i mean i i just just with the albums the the one album I ever did, um, it I mean it's it's like, you know, I don't know maybe one album sold for every like thousand song individual songs right so so I haven't had it in my heart to do that um, right. artistically so I I love I love just releasing individual songs um, so I, not to say that I won't do an album but just like for right now I just like doing yeah, it kind of seems like it's for the last little while it's been sort of a singles world you know yeah it's all about single songs and people are interested in single songs and not so much really albums uh, as much as as maybe 
you know, 15 years ago they were. Yeah. So, um, so that's awesome, man. When you put stuff on, like put stuff out is a lot of times, um, so like the sync placement stuff, is that a lot mm-hmm. of times you're like, you're writing, how does that work? But let's run us through that really. Like, you know, um, let's say like, I don't know how many sync placements you get a year or if you have a particular goal or mark that you're trying to hit with that stuff. But you know, say you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to, um, you know, it's whatever month one going to write some music. Is it sort of like people come in with requests? Hey, we're looking for something like this. Can you write something like, like this? We want to put it in this show or do you just kind of write stuff and then say, you put it out to your publisher and your, 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 your team and say, here's, here's what I've come up with. Like, you know, yeah. find a place for this, maybe all of the above. How does it work? Um, it's, it's all of the above and, and it just depends on, um, I do a lot of co-writing, so I might have, you know, um, two or three, sometimes more, uh, co-writes in a week. And then, so, um, and that's coordinated by my publisher. So they'll have, when I'm about to write with somebody, both, you know, the, the other person I'm writing with is usually also on a publisher. So they have, they're, they're getting, they're getting, um, they're getting briefs from four different TV shows and different artists from other places. And so that's how, that's kind of how it works. You know, the, the TV shows, the, the record companies, they're communicating with the publishers and then the publishers communicate with us. So I might be writing with somebody and they'll be, they'll say, I think you should write, um, like her voice would sound really great on like a trailer. So why don't you do like an Epic kind of trailer song? And then, or it might be, um, you know, we have a, we need a thing for Grey's Anatomy. Um, why don't you, why don't you give it a shot? Here's, here's like the, here's kind of the vibe that we're looking for. Um, and then, um, and then sometimes we just, sometimes it's just, you just get with the person and write a song and then they, and then they try to find a home for it that way too. Cool. So you, um, it depends on what the kind of the request is. Maybe you'll, you, you'll sit down, you'll kind of write some stuff and then maybe it's like, you'll sing on it and it'll be kind of like Aaron Wright performs this or it's, or maybe it's, um, I'm not, probably not the guy to be sort of like the singer on this. I'm going to find like somebody else to come in here and put some tracks down or like, mm-hmm. or you're co-writing with people or it's almost always, I'm almost always singing on what I write and then, and then doing a, and then doing like a, a girl version too. I write with a lot of girls, it seems like. Um, and so, so yeah, it's almost always me sing, singing on it. Uh, unless I'm writing with a guy and he has a particular voice, we still might do two versions cause you just don't know which one will work better for a particular scene. Um, my voice coincidentally, coincidentally just does, it does pretty well on TV, I think cause it's sort of soft and, and not like, real abrasive, I think. Mm. Um, so it works well behind dialogue. Uh, and then, um, so it's like that. And then I, I also do a lot of top lining where I'd get tracks from, for like pop tracks. And then I, my job is to write the melody and the, the lyrics over the top. Sometimes, sometimes they'll be looking for like a verse, some, some verses or, or just the hook. Um, sometimes the whole song. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. Um, Well, everyone, I do hope you enjoyed that rerun of the first half of episode 37 with Aaron Wright. Again, to catch the full episode, uh, go to johnstenson.com slash TMR037. Remember, there's no H in John. And make sure 
that you get connected to Aaron Wright and all that he's doing at his website at AaronWright.com. That's Aaron with one A, not two. And again, make sure you get subscribed to The Modern Recordist. Here's the two ways that you do that. One, go to my website at johnstenson.com and put your email address in the sign-up form that you will find right on the front page. I'll make sure you never miss an episode. And as a bonus, I'll also periodically send you emails with tips, thoughts, and guidance on recording, mixing, producing, songwriting, and maximizing your creative flow. All this at no cost to you. So head on over to my website and get subscribed now. And secondly, I also want to encourage you to get subscribed on iTunes. The way you do that is to either fire up your podcasting app right on your iPhone or open up iTunes on your laptop or desktop. Search for The Modern Recordist and click or tap that little subscribe button there. While on iTunes, make sure you take a quick second to leave a rating and review as well. Good and honest ratings and reviews let other people know the value you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. It also helps us to know that you're getting something out of these episodes and whether or not we're producing meaningful content and bringing on guests that you find fun and interesting to listen to. And finally, if you are indeed getting something out of listening to this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend or three. Simply drop a link in an email, text message, or a social media post and let everyone you know how much you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. Okay, that is it for this week, and there will be more for you next week. In the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world.